Good evening, church. It has been our custom over the last week to begin with prayer, but tonight I would like to begin uh, by looking first at the verse of scripture that our executive pastor introduced to us on Sunday night. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, states, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Sister Leela introduced to us the idea that we, based upon having received comfort from God, have the opportunity in this season, in this hour, in this trial, in these times of trouble, to provide comfort to others. And throughout this week, different ones will be looking at different aspects of this and sharing their thoughts, not only from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, but other passages of Scripture. As I've prayed and thought about this message tonight to bring to you, the Lord drew my attention to the most potent form of comfort that we have. Paul introduces it to us in the verses following. In verse number 5 he goes on, he says, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. So is the most potent thing we can do is suffer, so others can also be comforted? No. Paul goes on, he says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. Sounds like some of the things we're in the midst of right now. He goes on and says, In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in Him, and He will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. I would submit to you tonight that in this season, along with all of the things we can do to care for our neighbors, our family, our friends, our church members, our brothers and sisters, our small group members. First and foremost, the greatest comfort we can provide is prayer. First John writes and says, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. 
and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Those of you that are familiar with me, every once in a while I bring a message that is almost exclusively scripture. I put very little of my own words into it, and tonight what God has laid upon my heart and what I've brought to you is that kind of a thought. The wisdom of Proverbs and Psalms affirms the efficacy of prayer. Proverbs 15 verse 8, the Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. The psalmist writes in chapter 17, verse 6, I am praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as I pray. In Psalm 102, verse 17, the psalmist writes, He will listen to the prayers of the destitute. He will not reject their pleas. Psalm 145, verses 18 through 19, The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. There's a lot of scripture I'm going to be giving to you tonight, and we'll post at newyorkubc.info on the Gathering Hub a document that you can download that has all of these scriptures. So sit back and just listen Wave after wave, story after story, scripture after scripture points us to the power that we have when we pray. First Chronicles 16, David has just returned to Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant. He's brought it from a place of exile back into the city of God. Scriptures tell us in verse 7 of First Chronicles chapter 16, on that day David gave to Asaph and his fellow Levites this song of thanksgiving to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him, yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exalt in his holy name. Rejoice you who worship the Lord. Search, seek, pray for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles, and the rulings he has given, you children of his servant Israel, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. David's son, Solomon, upon ascending the throne of Israel, prayed a prayer, and a part of that prayer in Second Chronicles 6, verse 21, was, May you hear the humble and earnest request from me, and your people Israel when we pray toward this place. This place, of course, is the Temple Mount where Solomon had just built the temple. His father had brought the ark back to Jerusalem, but Solomon had built a permanent house for it. He goes on to say, Yes, hear us from heaven where you live, and when you hear, forgive. The next chapter, chapter 7, tells us that then one night the Lord appears to Solomon and says, I have heard your prayer. The prayer I just read to you, the Lord says to Solomon, I heard it. I've chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. At times, I might command the grasshoppers to devour your crops. At times, 
I might send plagues among you. Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will do what you ask, Solomon. I will forgive their sins. I will restore their land. The greatest comfort we can provide in this season and in this hour is those of us who know God, we can pray. Now, I encourage you, if you're watching this broadcast and you're not sure if you know God, maybe you're even a little lost in some of what I've already read to you, can I affirm to you something? You don't have to know him in order to talk to him. There's not a specific location. There's not a specific way. There's not a specific spot or manner. If you'll talk to God, he'll bend low to hear you. But church, the greatest comfort we can provide for our neighbors and our friends, the greatest comfort we can provide for our families is to pray. And I'm not just talking about a dedicated time of prayer, and I'm not just talking about bending your knee, and I'm not just talking about folding your hands, and I'm not just talking about King Jamesy sounding talk. I'm talking about you talking to God. Because many of you that are listening tonight, you know Him. He lives inside of you. You are filled with His Spirit. You know Him. And you have the ability to change you may not be able to change the plague. You may not be able to change coronavirus. You may not be able to change that, but you can change how the people around you experience the trial. You can change how it feels. You can help them, just as Paul suffered and he said, Church, you prayed and you helped me. We can bring comfort. In fact, the fact that we now are stuck in our homes officially, very rarely having explicit permission to leave our homes, gives us even more opportunity. Take all that pent-up energy, take all of that discontent that we're used to running and doing other things and turn to prayer. Turn to prayer. Jeremiah brings a message from the Lord, for I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. I know we use that verse all the time, but it goes on. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Even Eliphaz the Temanite, one of Job's Antagonist, supposed friend, spoke truth when he said, Submit to God and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. Listen to his instructions and store them in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. So clean up your life. If you give up your lust for money and throw your precious gold into the river, the Almighty himself will be your treasure. He will be your precious silver. Oh, such true words for us, America. Give up your lust for money. Throw your precious gold into the river. Let God become your treasure. Let him become your precious silver. 
Then you will take delight in the Almighty and look up to God. You will pray to Him and He will hear you and you will fulfill your vows to Him. You will succeed in whatever you choose to do and light will shine on the road ahead of you. If people are in trouble and you say help them, God will save them. Even sinners will be rescued. They will be rescued because your hands are pure. Verse 29 is what stands out to me. If people are in trouble and we, church, pray to God, help them. God will help them. You talk about the power of comfort. It's in our prayer. And I'm not taking away from all of the other things. It's not an either or. But we must first start with prayer. New York UPC, we need to discover prayer in a way we've never discovered it before. James says, are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Paul writes to the Colossian church and says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 17, Paul writes to the Thessaloniki church and says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Philippians, Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You see, prayer is a most powerful tool of comfort. You don't need anybody's permission to pray for them. You don't need anybody to know that you've prayed for them. You don't need to be in a specific place. You don't need a specific set of circumstances. Prayer works anytime, any place. You can pray in your head. You can pray out loud. You can pray on your knees. You can pray on your back. You can pray while you walk. You can even pray while you're dreaming. Prayer is just you talking to God. If you don't know God, just talk to Him. If you know God, we know how to talk to Him. We need to be praying, not just for ourselves. Yes, we can bring our needs before Him, but for our neighbors, for those who are terrified right now, for those who have no understanding that the world is in God's hands. We can pray. We have an opportunity to bring comfort, just as God has brought comfort to our hearts and our minds. As we pray, we have an opportunity to pray for others. The psalmist in Psalm 46 writes a very interesting psalm. It seems to describe a time that's very similar to ours. He affirms that God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come. We will not fear when the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. You almost hear the psalmist and the voice of God coming through him. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord's 
The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow, snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. This is the context, church, in which this verse, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Be still. God has brought us to a place of stillness. Our kingdoms of money are on pause, if not destroyed. The power of American wealth stands stagnant. Be still and know that I am God. In the midst of this God-induced stillness, we have an opportunity to, in that stillness, renegotiate an intimacy and a relationship with Him that has been there available for every human being. Because God loves every human being, but we've been distracted. Be still. Oh, God will be honored by every nation. Oh, he'll be honored throughout the world. He has thundered his voice. The kingdoms of this world, oh, they're in trouble. The nations, they're in panic. God still sits upon that throne and you know him and I know him and we have the opportunity to pray to him. I want to speak for a moment to my fellow pastors. I don't know how many of you will even see this, but I speak into the spirit world and if you hear this, I speak into you. Put down your hands of contention. Stop railing against our governments and our rulers. It is not of God. God is not politically motivated. He doesn't have to fight and contend for a political position, for he is King of kings and Lord of lords. He reigns supreme. Anyone who is in authority is there because God has placed them there. They are not your enemy. Paul wrote to Timothy and told him, and you need to be reminded, dear pastor, and I speak with this tone because I am a pastor. I do not mean disrespect, but I do mean an indictment. I do mean a correction. You should not be fighting government. You should not be fighting rulers. I urge you, he said, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Now why is that important? 
because he then goes on and he says the way that I just said pray for all people ask God to help them intercede with this God that you know on their behalf and give thanks for them pray this way for kings pray this way for all who are in authority pray this way so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity we need to be dignified our government needs to see us as a source of dignity and a source of consolation not a source of trouble and problem stop it if I'm out of order then you disregard my message but I speak in the authority of the Spirit stop it you are not to fight the rulers of this world they are in his hands he has control of them pray you have comfort that you can bring pray for them this is good it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth for there is one mediator there is one God there is one who can reconcile God and humanity it's not us it's the man Christ Jesus he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone this is the message God gave to the world at just the right time and you and I have been chosen as a preacher and as one who's been sent to teach the Gentiles to teach the lost this message about faith and truth I'm not exaggerating just telling the truth in every place of worship I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God free from anger and controversy put down your fight stop fighting it's not coming from God you're not standing for the truth prayer prayer you talking to God stop talking to the news media with your contentious voice stop talking to the news media with words of anger or politics comfort consolation we know who's in control there are those within our society that do not know who's in control. Well, I don't like them, or they are, they're an enemy to us. No, have you forgotten what our master said? The law said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, Jesus said, I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I don't care if they're persecuting. It doesn't matter. Pray for them. Keep watch and pray, he said so that you will not give in to temptation. We are so prideful, church. We are so tempted to become contentious. Please pray. Our spirits are willing. I do not indict my brothers and my sisters. I do not offer a voice of correction to people because I believe your spirits are wrong. But man, our bodies are weak. Our flesh is broken. And we can so easily caught up in the carnality of our flesh don't don't babble on and on don't pray like the Gentiles do thinking that we're going to be heard by merely repeating but instead your father already knows what you need 
even before you ask him. And so tonight, I've wept multiple times today as I have prepared this for you. And I feel that same emotion and I pray that somehow, spiritually, it transmits to you across whatever medium you're watching this. Could we lay down our anger and could we lay down our fear and could we lay down our selfishness and could we lay down our pride? And could we join together, not in babble or repetitious, but with new ears to hear? Could we pray like this? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins. And help us to have forgiven those who sin against us. And Lord, don't let us yield to the temptations, but rescue us from the evil one. Pray this in Jesus' name.